listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to talk about something that uh, has really been not only annoying me, but it ticks me off, makes me upset. That's why we got a Monday rant going today. And, um, and so I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture, but I'm also going to show you some things that uh, the Bible prophesied would take place and they're taking place just like the Bible said they would. The Holy Spirit inspired this long ago, which we're going to get into in a minute. And uh, I'm going to show you some things. We got some screenshots for you today. We got some uh, we've got some slides to show you, and I've got some things to read to you from Christian quote unquote churches about sections of their stupid websites. <laughs> and so we're going to do that in a minute. But before we do, I want you to turn with me to first Timothy, uh, chapter four. So I want to start there today and thanks for jumping on with me. Take a minute to share the broadcast. It's worth sharing. Um, and if people get offended, they get offended. That's on them not on you uh, for sharing it. So uh, take a minute to share it. We're going to talk about this. But 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 is where I'm starting because I'm going to show you where the Bible talked about these things before we get into what's actually going on around the world. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, oh, nobody saw that one coming in a moment. Um Yeah, Mackenzie said, saw it a few days ago, almost vomited. I agree. Um, But I'm going to give you something that nobody's really talking about. It's kind of a spoiler here. I'm telling you ahead of time. It's it's kind of an under the under the scenes or behind the scenes, under the read between the lines, under the covers. We're going to jerk the covers off today and show you why some of these things happen, um, why they're going on. And then you'll you'll be like, oh, man, that makes a lot of sense. But. People are being led around by other people. Let me show you this in 1 Timothy 4. If you're just joining us, grab your Bible, grab a pad, grab a pen and a highlighter. I have my highlighter today. This one will not be thrown because it is mine. It is full of juice. It is ready to go. Um, Zach Wilson, under the radar. Thank you. That's exactly the term that I was groping for incoherently on the broadcast. Um, Let's read what Paul writes to Timothy. Now, Paul's the older minister, and he's instructing the younger minister, Timothy, his son in the gospel, giving him some warnings, teaching him how to lead the church, teaching him how to be a good leader, uh, teaching him how not to be a nutless leader. And uh, actually, this is very appropriate for the story of Timothy, because you all know the scripture where uh, Paul writes to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. Uh, if you study the story of Timothy through the two letters Paul wrote, you might get the picture that Timothy was a little bit timid uh, about his position ministering as a pastor to the church. And I'll say this to start off, that Paul instructed him. He said, teach these things, the things that Paul's teaching him, he said, teach these things to the entire assembly. Now that's important. Because there would have obviously been people in Timothy's church who were older than him, maybe a lot of them. And Paul said this, don't let anybody 
despise your youth, right? So he encourages Timothy, preach this doctrine to the whole assembly. That means everybody, doesn't matter if they're older than you, you're still the spiritual leader. I dealt with this in the book further, faster. Um, you know, you can have uh, a spirit that's older than your natural body because of impartation and learning. He said, teach these things to the whole assembly. I'm in first Timothy chapter four right now, Christina. I haven't read it yet, but I'm just giving you some background. Paul said, God's not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Teach these things to the entire assembly. So if you look at it, you might be, you might realize that Tim, Timothy might've been a little t- intimidated or timid, uh, to teach the whole assembly because of his age. But Paul is in- instructing him, be strong, be bold, teach the assembly. You don't have a spirit of fear. You got a spirit of power. You're called to lead. We need leaders that will lead with strength lead, that will lead without compromising. That's the key. And so you're going to see, uh, what happens here. First Timothy four, he's instructing Timothy. Paul is. And I want to just read you, I'll just read you the uh, first verse. 1 Timothy 4.1. That's where we're at. 1 Timothy 4.1. You can put the references in the comments section for those come on later. The Bible says, now the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. You see that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. The King James says doctrines of devils. That's first Timothy four, one. Well, we're in the last days and, um, also not only that, We are seeing deceitful spirits at work and teachings of demons are at work right now. We're going to cover that today. Doctrines of devils, teachings of demons in these last days. And just a a side note here, an aside, if you will, uh, from this verse, we can clearly see that it's possible to depart from the faith. (laughs) So anybody teaches that, uh, you're, if, if you're once saved, you're always saved, that there's no way to uh, lose your salvation or those that are truly saved, uh, there's no way for them to not be saved, the elect, God's chosen one. Here's a, a scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit that says that in the last days, some will depart from the faith. You can't depart from something that you've never been a part of. To depart is the opposite of to become a part. If I'm a part of something, that means I'm involved in it. If I depart from that, then I'm leaving it. You can't leave something that you've never been a part of. Again, John 15, Jesus is teaching about the fact that he's the true vine and we're the branches. And if people don't produce fruit, the the father, who is the husbandman, will come and sever those branches off of the vine and throw them into a pile to be burned. So understand something. No sinner has ever been a part of Christ. Remember that no sinner has ever been connected to Christ. If you're connected to Christ, that means you're in the kingdom. That means you're a part of the body of Christ, right? 
So you can't be severed away from Jesus if you've never been connected to him. So understand what John is saying in his gospel is that, and Jesus is teaching this, that it's fruit production. God expects his children to continue to produce fruit in order to stay in the kingdom. Uh, it is based upon the fact that we, those who endure to the end shall be saved. There is endurance that's needed. And every day I've taught this a lot on the broadcast every day, you have opportunities to not endure, to not stay faithful, uh, to not walk in the fruit of the spirit, to not crucify the flesh every day. You've got opportunities. And so Paul is teaching Timothy in the last days, there are people that will just straight up depart. That's called, there's a term for it. It's called apostasy. It's called apostasy, leaving the faith. No sinner's ever been connected to Christ and everybody's born in sin. Shaping in iniquity. There's none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you see what I mean? You, you're never born a, a Christian and then you're later disconnected. It doesn't work that way. So uh, Paul's very clear here. One of the signs of the last days is a great apostasy, a great falling away from the faith, people listening to deceptive spirits and doctrines or teachings of demons. Well, how can you know if something's a, a teaching of demons? Well, if it is, it teaches things about God, about Christ that contradict the written word of God. They contradict the written word of God. That's how you know it's a doctrine of a demon or if it's a false doctrine, or if it's a, a deceitful spirit, a deceptive spirit, it's a teaching about Jesus, about God, about Christianity that contradicts the written word of God. Nobody, this is an important point. Nobody will ever have a revelation from the spirit of God that contradicts the word that's written our Bible. Never. Never. And so I want you to flip over with me now to second Timothy, second Timothy. Uh, and we're going to look at that. And this is really an interesting, uh, place to be. Uh, second Timothy chapter three. And um, the reason I'm bring, bringing you here, because it's not just that people have de are departing from the faith, but I want you to see the danger of um, people who are trying to gain teaching or, or, or pull to themselves teaching that contradicts what's already in the Bible. That's a sign as well, by the way. That's a sign as well. Um, and so I'm going to take you there. Uh, go to second Timothy and we're going to go to chapter four and, uh, let me read to you. Actually, I'm going to start with verse one, second Timothy four, one, and I'll read maybe, uh, through four. So this for your reference, second Timothy four, one through four. 
2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Listen to this. Paul, again, writing to his son in the gospel, and this is the last letter Paul ever wrote. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, get this now, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. You know, really, you could translate this another way, healthy teaching. They'll not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, uh, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. Now, these two passages go together because they're talking about the same thing. And this is what we're getting ready to get into in a moment that, uh, in my opinion, is really, really... uh, by the way, you know, when the, when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters and verses. I'm sure you know that, obviously. Uh, chapters came uh, first in the development after the writing of the word to help us kind of locate areas. And then versification came, I think, in the 15th century or the 16th century. So it's just to help us locate certain verses in the Bible. But there were no chapters or verses in the letters of Paul. So look at what he said right before he said what I read about in the last days, people wouldn't endure sound doctrine. Look, go up to verse uh, chapter three, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and uh, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort. Here's something that these nutless leaders will not do today. They will not reprove. They will not rebuke. They will not correct. All they ever want to do is encourage people. All they want to do is encourage people. You can't simply encourage people all the time. The Bible doesn't command it. Part of what we need to do as leaders is correct, reprove, and rebuke. See, if there is no correction, if there is no reproof, if there is no rebuking, then everybody will wander and there's no way to reach the end desired goal, which is to become equipped for every good work and complete for every good work. If we don't bring correction, I mean, think of it this way. If you didn't know how to get somewhere, and I use this analogy all the time because it's the one that makes the most sense. If you didn't know how to get somewhere and so you put it into your GPS, you put the, de- the destination address into your GPS and hit start. And as you're uh, driving, every time it's time to make a turn, your GPS tells you that's a correction. That's a course correction. Maybe you're going uh, south on I-95 or whatever. And in order to get to the place you need to go, you need to take exit 236 off to the right. And then jump on state road, you know, 491 or whatever. And so what happens is when, when your GPS tells you, it says uh, you're already on interstate 95 South, but it says take exit 296 or whatever the one I said, that's a course correction. 
It's telling you stop going on 95 and now go on 296. And when you take that excess, it says now get on to State Road 431 or whatever it was. That's another course correction. It's telling you stop and now go this direction. Now go this way. Think about how useless, think about how useless your GPS would be if instead of, if it was like, well, you know, it knows that you have to take exit 296 to get to whatever restaurant you're, for example, you're going to, but you skip 296 and keep on going your own way on 95 South. Think how useless your GPS would be if it came on right when you skipped the exit you were supposed to take. You're doing a really good job keep on driving. Eventually you'll make it to your destination. Just keep on going. You're a great driver. You really do well. You've stayed within the speed limit. You're doing an amazing job. Your car looks clean. Your your family's all being so well-behaved inside the car. That's not the point of the GPS. You'll never reach your destination if that's what your GPS did. It's useless. And many of these stupid churches that are led by nutless leaders are useless. The churches are useless. The leaders are useless. They're they're hirelings. They're literally worthless leaders, false teachers, and they're teaching doctrines of demons, and they've left the faith, and some of them don't even know it. They've left the faith, and they're so blind, they don't even know it. And that's what's going on in 2021, and it's been going on. That's what we're dealing with today. Because if you think that we can just modify the Bible to say whatever we want it to say and keep that you don't understand the word. You don't understand Christianity. You don't understand God because God does not change. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. His word doesn't change. Anything that you read in this Bible God doesn't change. Even if you go from Old Testament to new, I'm going to show you something because, you know, you say, well, you know, we're not living in the Old Testament anymore. So those things changed. They didn't change. They didn't change. We're still living in the place where God expects the same thing. He always has expected the same thing. So we don't have to get slaughter bulls and goats and lambs anymore for, for the sins of the nation. No, we don't, but it does. It's not because God changed and it's not because God doesn't require blood sacrifices anymore. He still requires blood sacrifice. The only difference is that Jesus, the Bible says became the eternal blood sacrifice for the whole world. His blood is ever present before the throne of God. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ's blood is an ever-present sacrifice before the throne of God. God still requires blood. It's just that he sent an eternal lamb to shed his eternal blood for the world. But God didn't change. God still requires blood. Still requires blood. That's why we're thankful for the blood of Jesus. We thank God for the blood of Jesus. It's an ever-present sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood. The blood still speaks on our behalf. Hallelujah. But God didn't change and God does not change. You think just because we're in the New Testament that the Ten Commandments don't mean anything anymore? They still mean everything. It's just that Christ gave us a new commandment that was so eternally wise that it encompassed all the rest of the law and the prophets. 
in love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two commandments encompass all the law and the prophets. That's how divinely wise they are. It's just that God doesn't change. It's just that there's a new way of living. Amen. So God, and his word doesn't change. Do you think just because we live in 2021 that God's feelings about homosexuality have changed? Do you think God has changed now? Because he's like, well, you do realize it's a different kind of culture now. And, you know, we want to just be more inclusive. And I am the Lord, your God. And I understand that people change. And so you think that's God's position? That because we're in 2021, he's changed his views about homosexuality? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But you got stupid churches changing their views because they're stupid. Anybody, and and I'm not saying that just to, to call names, the Bible calls them stupid. The Bible calls them stupid. And let me tell you how the Bible calls them stupid. Number one, um, the Bible says, number one, a fool rejects correction. So any person or organization that rejects the correction of God is a fool. They're a fool. What is wisdom? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't fear the Lord and his word, then you're an idiot, a fool, stupid. If you don't fear the Lord, you're stupid. Bible's pretty plain about it. If you're an atheist, you're stupid. The Bible says so. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a scripture. (laughs) Calls all atheists fools. Stupid people. Now we love them. I pray they get saved. I pray the gospel comes to them and turns their heart and that they come into the kingdom. But anybody that remains an atheist or an agnostic is stupid, is stupid. Even from a scientific perspective, you're stupid. See what I mean? So the bottom line is Paul made this distinction in Romans chapter one. He said that there is no excuse for people to say that there's no God because he plainly has made himself visible in his creation. He plainly, Paul wrote that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that creation is there to condemn people who say there is no God because you can't look at creation and claim there's no God. Even modern day scientists, you know what they're saying? That DNA in and of itself is a written code. It's a written code. Anything that is a code has an author or a writer or an origin. It's, it's, a, it's literally a language. DNA is a language that, that causes things to happen, to react, and it's in everything. You see what I mean? So to actually look at, um, you realize evolution and all the rest of it, it literally defies the laws of science. I don't know if you understand that there is a law, I wrote about this, uh, the second law of thermodynamics is entropy, which means that any system left to its own devices will go towards chaos, never towards order, right? It goes towards chaos. Let me give you an example. I've put it in my book. If you go to the beach and build a sandcastle and leave it for a week and come back and look at your sandcastle, it's not going to be more defined, more built up and more detailed. It's going to be blown apart. It might just look like a lump of sand. Why? The tide came in and out, in and out, in and out. The winds blew. You know what's going to happen? Leave it to its own devices. Your sandcastle that you created as a creator is going to go to chaos and eventually it'll go back to just being flat sand on the beach after time. 
because even scientifically they've proven anything left to its own devices moves towards chaos, not towards order. That's the second law of thermodynamics in physics. And so uh, evolution in and of itself defies science. You're telling me that the world left to itself for millions of years brought itself into order. That's not even observable anywhere in the world. That's not observable anywhere. And so God doesn't change. And what you see is proof. That's why the Bible calls them fools, because what you see, even in nature, is proof enough that God exists that you can't deny him. Now, it's not enough to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You need the gospel for that. But this is enough for them to be condemned in knowing he exists. Can't, can't say he doesn't exist. God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. And that means his word is the same. This Bible doesn't change. It doesn't change. This Bible remains the same. This Bible is God's holy, inerrant, inspired word. And we don't change it to fit the culture. What a dangerous thing to do to change it to fit the culture. But the Bible says that that's what people would do in the last days is that they would fall away and start teaching doctrines of demons. And then it says that they would also accumulate to themselves false teachers who would teach, who would teach what they wanted to hear to satisfy their fleshly desires. That's what the hyper grace message is. If you don't know the Joseph Prince hyper grace message that's basically championed by him is a false message. That's not biblical. If you want a great book that refutes it biblically and accurately, I encourage you to get Dr. Michael Brown's book entitled, uh, hyper grace. That's actually the title of the book hyper grace. It's a yellow book. You can get it on Amazon. We'll put the link in the, in the, uh, we'll put the link in the comments so you guys can see it. But this thing that has swept through the world, it is an end time doctrine of demons. It's literally a doctrine of demons. There's the link for everybody that's, uh, you know, watching on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, whatever. If you want to order it, I encourage you to get the ebook, get the Kindle, whatever. It's called hyper grace exposing dangers in the modern message. You know, it's, and it's everywhere. It's a doctrine of demons. And I'm going to lead into this, what we're getting ready to show you, because the things just like this hyper grace message have negatively impacted the body of Christ around the world. It's not a new message. It was dealt with in the, in the new Testament dealt with the new Testament. But let me tell you something. When you look at what it produces, that is the key that shows you it's not from God. Can I tell you something just from my own personal experience is that every single pastor that I've spoken with, and I travel all over the place, every single pastor I've ever spoken with whose people, the people in his church have gotten into the hyper grace message, whether it be through Joseph Prince or someone else that's teaching it. It has always, and I do mean always, I've never had one tell me different. It has always produced a negative effect in their people, in the people of the church. They'll say, well, pastor, we're under grace. We don't need to be coming to church anymore. We don't need to be faithful to church. We don't need to tithe. We don't need to give. We can live how we want. 
It's produced a generation of drunkards. It's produced a generation of unfaithful people. It's produced a generation of people who are not dedicated to the Lord. They don't need to pray. You know what? I heard a preacher say on television, it is more than just Joseph Prince. You're right, Ruth. But he kind of championed it with destined to reign. But others are teaching it. Many others. And understand something. I heard a very well-known preacher who's gotten off into teaching this false grace message say on television that um, Christians, God doesn't expect us to pray long prayers. He doesn't want us to pray for long periods of time. He wants us to pray short, faith-filled prayers under grace. I wish somebody had told Jesus that before he prayed all through the night in Luke chapter six. I wish they would have told Jesus that before he prayed for three hours in the garden of Gethsemane. I wish somebody would have told the early church that before they prayed for an hour in the temple every single day of their lives and fasted two days a week. People are not smart. They don't even read the Bible. They come up with these things out of their own minds. Now, Rob Bell is a different kind of teacher. Rob Bell's not even hyper grace. He's a universalist. Rob Bell doesn't even believe in hell. He doesn't believe, he believes in something, uh, which is very demonic that everybody will go back to heaven at the end, including the devil himself, including because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Total doctrine of demons, total doctrine of demons. That's what's being taught in our generation needs to be called out. And I don't mind mentioning these people's names because they've put, they've published books with these teachings that are in Barnes and Noble, you know, total trash, love wins by Rob Bell, total trash, trash. And so I want you to understand something. That's not even hyper grace. That's just like straight up false heretical doctrine, which also hyper grace is, but it's so demonic to believe that even the devil himself, when the Bible says what will be the, uh, the, um, the, the end result of the devil and his final resting place will be the lake of fire. It won't be heaven. Unless you believe that lake of fire is like another word for heaven. Foolish people needs to be called out, needs to be called out straight up apostasy. It's stupidity. And this is what's going on. And Paul's dealing with this. He says, in the last days, you're going to see this stuff happen. Just know it's going to happen. And it's happening right now. And people are literally leaving the church. You know, let me tell you another thing. Here's my friend, Pastor Jordan Work. Uh, I've told this story before on the broadcast. I'll tell it again. It applies here. We were holding a tent meeting in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, had the tent up and every uh, every night there was a guy, homeless guy. He had sent his pup tent up on the fairgrounds, like where we were, we had the tent up and he'd sleep there every night and come to the meeting every night. He finally got saved at the end of the week, uh, at the altar. And we were talking with him after the service. And he said, um, you know, this is not my first time giving my heart to the Lord, to the Lord. He said, I was rededicating my life to Jesus. And he, and then he told us the story of his life. He said, you know, did you know that I was saved before? And he said, I was called into the ministry to be a preacher. And he said, I went to Bible school. He said, but when I got to Bible school, he said, uh, I got around these people and they were, he said, before I got saved, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. He said, then I got delivered off that stuff, got saved, got called into the ministry, went to Bible school. He said, now I'm in Bible school. And he said, I got all these uh, people around me from the Bible school and they're like, Hey man, 
You coming out with us this weekend? We're going out. We're going to hit a couple bars, hit a couple clubs, whatever. They ha- they were smoking weed. They were back to drinking all weekend. He's like, guys, I didn't think we were supposed to do this stuff anymore because we're, you know, now we're saved. He was a new Christian at the time. He goes, I thought, I thought we weren't supposed to do this stuff anymore. We're, we're Christians now. And he's like, oh, no, you don't understand the word. This is what they told him. Oh, you don't understand the word. You know, we're kings and priests. And, you know, and they started teaching the hyper grace message to him that our actions don't matter. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus did, you know, it's, and all that. And literally, this was his story. He went back to hanging out with those guys. He went in, started getting drunk again, started getting high again, fell back into sin, left Bible school, became homeless. That's when, that's when he came and rededicated his life to the Lord those years later. But do you see the effects? And this is, I'm telling you, the effect of what happens all over. Maybe not to that extreme where somebody becomes a drug addict, alcoholic, but they stop attending church. They stop getting in the presence of God. They stop praying. They stop being faithful. They stop being diligent. You understand? The exact opposite of everything that the Lord wants us to be through discipleship. Wrong doctrine will devastate your life. And I want you to put that in the comments today. Wrong doctrine will devastate your life. He could have died in sin, Delami. That's right. He literally could have died in sin. That's the danger. I want you to put it in the comments. Wrong doctrine will devastate your life. It will devastate. Ruth said so many Christians are still drinking and posting their Saturday night party pics on social media and then serving on Sunday morning in some volunteer position. Exactly right. And there's the issue. There's the issue. Put it in the comments. Wrong doctrine will devastate your life. It'll devastate you. This is why it's so important what you believe, where you go to church, what leaders you sit under, because wrong doctrine will devastate your life. It'll leave you in utter ruin, utter ruin. I don't listen to any revelation that any person has if it doesn't line up with the written word of God. I don't care how uh, hip and edgy you are. I don't care how many people go to your church. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. If it doesn't line up with the written word of God, I reject it wholeheartedly. I reject it wholeheartedly. I don't care. I don't care how many conferences you uh, preach at. I don't care about any of that. It's demonic. Hey, there's Lonnie Peterson, Tiff, from, from uh, Lonnie's watching up there from, from Montana. Love you, Lonnie. I don't care. You shouldn't care. You shouldn't care. It's, it's demonic. If it's against the scripture, it's demonic and needs to be thrown out fully. It needs to be thrown out fully, like the hyper grace message, like universalism. It needs to be thrown out fully. And the people that teach it need to be labeled. And if they can't be, if they cannot be spoken with, if they cannot be persuaded, if they cannot be shown from scripture, they won't receive it. They should be marked as false teachers and rejected. Listen, I know that we love people and we want to see them succeed. But when you have somebody that continues to teach a doctrine that does not line up with scripture, that's causing people to fall into ruin and you won't receive correction from anybody, anybody, you should be marked as a false teacher and reject your teachings rejected. Absolutely. No question about it. It's bottom line. 
because it's, it's causing people to come to destruction. It's causing people to fall away from Christ, not come to Christ. You see what I mean? We should always look at the fruit of what a doctrine produces. What does it produce? Does it produce a life where people are not pleasing the Lord? Or does that doctrine produce a life that somebody is even more dedicated to God and his kingdom, more diligent to seeking the face of God? You understand? And so it makes a difference. It makes a difference who you listen to and what you believe. So there's all these different, I mean, there's so many things going on. You can see it around the world. One of the things that really ticked me off is because, and I want you to get this in your mind, get this in your mind. And I I will have you put it in the comments. If you are led by culture, then you will change or dismiss God's word. Hey, Danielle, put it in the comments just like that. If I, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it so you can get it. If I'm led by culture, I guess there really is no better way to say it. If I'm led by culture, then I will change or dismiss God's word. There really isn't a better way to say it than that. If you are led by culture, then you'll be, then you'll change or dismiss God's word altogether. And we're seeing that happen. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. See, because culture is driven by the flesh nature. Culture is driven by the flesh nature. It's driven by the flesh nature. Look at what was going on before the civil rights movement. Let me give you an example. Secularism. That's right. Let let me, let me give you an an example. Look at what happened in America before the civil rights movement, before there was truly uh, a unity in our nation. And if you don't think, I mean, people are young, think, think we're in such rough times, go back in time and see how it was. Before, back when there was segregation, I want to show you what being led by culture looks like. Back when there was segregation, okay, after the time of slavery, after the Civil War, I'm talking about go back before Dr. King and all the things that we saw the Civil Rights Movement explode in America. We saw that happen. But go back before that. Look at what church looked like. The church at large was being affected by the culture. We had black churches and we had white churches. We had black parts of town and we had white parts of town. Think about how crazy this is now. We had black water fountains and we had white water fountains. We had black bathrooms and we had white bathrooms. You know why? Because even the church was being led by culture. Do you know how demonic a white church is? Do you know how demonic a black church is? That is demonic. Jesus didn't say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all white men unto me. (laughs) I want you to think about that. Think about that. How uh, divisive and demonic being led by culture is. Well, we have, this is a white church. This is a black church. No, it's demonic. He said, I'll draw all men unto me. All men. And when you're led by culture, then you will either dismiss or you'll ignore or change God's word. Now, I'm going to show you that right now. Because now we've had, and I know this has been circulating, but it's not a new story. 
it's been circulating over social media. I don't know why stuff gets uh, like it goes viral like years after it happens, but I just was made aware of it. But there's a church in Nashville, Tennessee, that back in 2015, this is 2015 when the pastor preached this. I don't even know if it's the same pastor there anymore. But I think the church is Grace Point Church. Is that right? It's Grace Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee that basically came out um, in support of the LGBTQ community, came out in support of same-sex marriage, came out in support of uh, making all homosexuals, homosexual couples, members of the church, all of that. And so um, basically became a progressive Christian church, which is just total uh, heresy, as I'm going to read it to you in a moment. But I want you to see this. If, if you're led by the culture, then guess what's going to happen? You are going to change the word or dismiss the word. Now, let's, let's look at this because I want to look at the article. Now, we're going to put the article up in the comments for you guys as well. It's a Time Magazine article. So it's not like some, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist website that threw some article up about some church. This article that we uh, are posting in the comments right now is Time Magazine, time.com, reported this back in 2015. It was, uh, it was um, about Grace Point Church in Franklin, Tennessee, which is 20 minutes uh, south of Nashville. And so I want, I want you to look at this now. The, the pastor stood up and preached the message, basically uh, speaking out in favor of the LGBTQ community. Um, in favor of same-sex marriage, in, sa- in favor of all of that stuff. And basically, uh, it was one of the largest uh, evangelical churches and first evangelical megachurches uh, to stand for full equality and inclusion of the LGBTQ community. Um, and so basically, that's what he, he said to his congregation. You can watch the video on the article that they, uh, that they listed. It's not in California. It's in Nashville, Tennessee, if you can believe it. Um, basically, was telling the church that this is where they stand. And if you don't like it, you know, you can go somewhere else. But I, I can't not say it. We can't not change uh, what we believe. So um, you can put it up. What's the first, first slide that we had that I, that I gave you? Um, the very first slide. Okay. Now on there, this is today. I got this today, not five, six years ago. This is from today. They, there is literally now a church clarity, a group that basically is dedicated to scoring churches on whether they're clear regarding their activity enforced policies, actively enforced policies. Um, they're committed to transparency and radically include radically inclusivity is like, what in the world are you even talking about? So this church, Grace Point Church, is verified clear by this, uh, you know, ver- this church clarity organization, uh, whatever in the world that means. So here is their stance, verified clear by this organization. You can pop the other uh, slide up that shows their stances. All right. Um, what are they doing? Will they hire uh, LGBTQ people at the church? Yes. Um, will they do same-sex weddings? Yes. Um, will they ordain same-sex P or, 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 or homosexuals into ministry? Yes. Now here's the leadership. Yes. Over half of our staff identifies as part of the LGBTQ plus community and several members of our leadership council board do as well. And so here's not just a church that is allowing 
you know, homosexuals, those in the LGBTQ community to be in volunteer positions in the church, children's church, anywhere else. But uh, half of our staff, those that work in the church are part of the community and several members of the leadership council or their board are as well. And so here's a church. uh, Now, obviously, uh, the women in ministry part, you know, I'm not against women in ministry, but obviously we're against, uh, first of all, doing homosexual or same-sex weddings. Yes, Orthodox Christianity is and always will be completely against that. Ordaining uh, same-sex marriage uh, or people in a same-sex marriage or that identify as LGBTQ into ministry, yes, Orthodox Christianity will always be against that. It's true, John. This church should just say on the website, we support sin. We ordain sin. We hire sin. We'll do sinful weddings. And we have sinful people on our board and on our staff is basically uh, what they should say. Because the bottom line is uh, the word of God never stopped condemning these things. And it's funny to me. Come back to me for a sec. It's funny to me how uh, people that are against this thought process always want to say like, well, you're, that's so old Testament. You know, you go back to the book of Leviticus and you're like, no, it's not old Testament. It's in the new Testament. Why do you think Paul addressed it in Romans chapter one? Paul addressed it because, uh, where he was writing the, 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 uh, audience to whom he was writing the Romans, you know, uh, had plenty of homosexuals in that culture. Plenty of homosexuality was going on in Rome, in Italy. No question about it. It it was being addressed. And Paul deals with it in Romans chapter one. In fact, let me go there real quick and show you something that many people wouldn't open their Bibles to anymore in progressive Christian churches that aren't churches at all. It's not new. It's been, it's been something that we've seen uh, all the way back. Paul had to deal with this. But, but listen to how Paul dealt with it. Listen to what he said was the cause of it. It's not God creating people to be homosexual, creating some to be lesbian, some to homosexual, some are straight. You know, God creates people that way. That's how they're born. Look what Paul said about it. He didn't say that's how they were born. He didn't say uh, that this is how they automatically were at birth. Paul said they became this way. They became this way. Listen to this. The Bible says, um, and I'll start with verse 18. Listen to Romans 1.18, and I'll read all the way down uh, through verse 28. Listen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. Now listen, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because he has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. I I talked about that earlier on the broadcast in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. That's the point I was making. You can't say there's no God. You can't say you can't see him. Creation itself speaks of who he is. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to become, to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, and they exchanged the glory 
of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now look at verse 24, because of their own actions. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, uh, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Look at verse 26 for this reason. Now see God, God's the one that did this. They didn't, they weren't born this way. They didn't, it's God that gave them over to what they wanted in their hearts. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, gave them up. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And I'll stop there. So it's not that, well, you're just bringing up, you're just bringing up Leviticus and the old Testament that wasn't even taught. No, it's very plainly laid out in the book of Romans. It's very plainly laid out for those. And by the way, you'll get this for anybody that tries to push back. They'll say, well, when you study what was really being said in the Bible, it wasn't talking about monogamous relationships, man on man. It was really just talking about people that were promiscuous and, and having sex with all different kinds of people, all different kinds of men, but it, or, or a man with a little boy or something like that. But it wasn't talking about two men who decided to be faithful to one another. No, that's not what the Bible teaches at all, at all. Uh, it's telling you here in Romans one, exactly what was going on exactly what was going on. Um, another book, if you'd like to get it really great by Dr. Michael Brown, a queer thing happened to America is the name of the book. A queer thing happened to America. Another great one by him. Can you be gay and Christian? That's a great, great book. Can you be gay and Christian by Dr. Michael Brown? The other one he put out, a queer thing happened to America. Check them out for yourself. But it's very plain what the Bible's teaching. So here's a church that is ordaining homosexuals, hiring homosexuals, doing same-sex marriages, and saying our staff and our leaders are part of that community. So it's Romans 1 is what I was reading uh, for giving. Romans 1, 18 through 29. And so it's exactly what's going on. All right. So let's go back now. Uh, we saw that. Now, what I said to you a moment ago, which is insane, is that if you are led by culture, if you're led by culture, what's going to happen? You will either change the Bible or you will dismiss the Bible altogether. It's exactly what will happen. You'll either, you'll either change the Bible or you will dismiss the Bible. But before you put anything up, um, I want to see, I want to read this to you. Cause I thought it was very interesting. Um, <laughs> I was reading through this article on time about this, this church, uh, and the, uh, basically what the, uh, what the pastor was saying, you know, uh, so listen, listen to this for the past three years, grace point has engaged itself in a time of listening to the topic of sexual orientation and identity. <laughs> Wait. This is too good to even be, I can't even believe that this is a real part of this article, but it is. 
It absolutely is. Let, let me read this to you. This is from time.com on this article we posted for you guys. Listen carefully to this paragraph. For the past three years, Grace Point has engaged itself in a time of listening on the topic of sexual orientation identity. It began, when did this, when did this listening begin? I wonder when this listening began. Well, let's find out. It began around the same time that the country star Carrie Underwood, who goes to Grace Point, spoke out in favor of marriage equality in 2012. <laughs> so multimillionaire Carrie Underwood, who attends the church and probably gives to the church, gives to the church, is now in favor of same-sex or equality in marriage and speaks out about it. Now you've got multi-millionaire Carrie Underwood who attends your church and is speaking out. You know, I really feel as the pastor that we need to have a time of listening. <laughs> we need a time of listening uh, about this subject now that multi-millionaire Carrie Underwood has spoken out about it and she attends our church. Yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did because your nuts are in Carrie Underwood's purse. <laughs> That's why you needed a time of listening is because you are being run around by the people that have got the money in your church. That's exactly why you felt there needed to be a time of listening. Oh, I think we need a time of listening for about the next three years. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you did think that because you didn't want to lose Carrie Underwood's offering checks uh, from her uh, music into your church. So uh, forget what the Bible says. Forget what God said. Forget what the Holy Spirit inspired. Let's just basically be actively open to changing doctrine based on what anybody with a checkbook has to say in the seats of the church. And let me tell you something, that's happening all over America. That's not just happening at Grace Point Church. That's happening in many churches with many weak pastors, weak leaders. There's evangelists. I'm not talking about just pastors. There's evangelists that'll come in and only preach whatever uh, is acceptable or things that won't stir up the waters, won't preach what the Lord tells them to say. There's prophets that can be bought. You understand the Bible talks about them. Prophets that can be bought, false prophets. They don't have the strength in the Holy Ghost to say what needs to be said. And so the point I'm making to you today, that's a mind blower right there because you would think, see on the surface, you would think, oh, they were, they're really, you know, this, this church, They've really got their ear to the ground when it comes to uh, uh, sensitivity to the culture and sensitivity to the, to the community and to those in these minority groups. Man, they're really sensitive. And when you read the article, it comes out, the thing that made them think about it was the fact that they got multimillionaires in the church that are, uh, that are not opposing, but supporting these things. You better believe they're going to support it. Let me tell you, there ain't no pastor... That, that doesn't have the fortitude to lead by the Holy Ghost that wants to lose Carrie Underwood's tithe check. I can tell you that right now. There ain't no pastor that's not led by the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about not strong pastors, not Holy Ghost pastors. There ain't no pastor, some hireling that wants to lose Carrie Underwood's tithe check. 
Because I can guarantee you this, if you start standing up for the word of God in that church and stand against what's going on in that church, that board that you just set on your about us section of your website, that's filled with people from the LGBTQ community and those on your staff, they'll vote your behind right out of that church. You can go support what you believe somewhere else. That's exactly how it works in those places. I've been to them. I don't go back. Once you find out that's the kind of church it is, you don't go back. I literally had a uh, pastor say to me, a senior pastor of a church, a senior pastor of a church, and I was discussing how we conduct our ministry. And he said, well, we want you to come in. We want you to come do this. We want you to come hold me. I said, that's no problem. I'm happy to come. This is what we do in our ministry. This is how we function. These are the ways that we, that we do things. So let me, let me tell you something. When I told him that, you know what his answer was to me? I listen very carefully. This is the senior pastor of the church, the senior pastor of the church, the leader of the body. This was his answer to me when we went to confirm the details about how our ministry functions in churches and what we do and how we operate when we come. I don't have the authority to make those decisions. That was his answer to me. I don't have the authority to make those decisions. I'll have to check with my board. That was the answer. I don't have the authority. You know, you know, something that you would never, you would hope, you know, as, as a Holy ghost filled preacher, you would hope that this is a phrase that you never have to say to a pastor of a church. This is a phrase right here. Are you ready for this? I never wanted to have to say this, but I almost felt like saying it. Well, can I speak with your manager, please? <laughs> Pastor, could you put your manager on the phone? I need to speak to a manager. I need to speak to somebody that can make these decisions. You, sh- you shouldn't have to ever say that or think that when dealing with the head of the church. Could I please speak to your manager? Could I speak to whoever does have the authority to make these decisions? Put them on the phone. Put them on the phone. We got weak leaders in churches. Some of them are very, very weak. They're hirelings. That's exactly what he said, Steph. It's exactly what he said on the phone. I don't have the authority to make, oh, I see what you're saying. So what, what what you're really saying to me is you're not the spiritual leader of that church. You're not the authority in that church. So basically what that pastor just said to me is I'm not the leader of this church. I'm not the authority of this church. There are people over me that make all the decisions. Uh, basically they, they, uh, they dress me up in a suit on Sunday morning and they twist the crank on my back and they throw me out onto the platform and say, go preach a message. Go, go on and get them. Go preach a little message and come back when you're done. We'll put you back in your cage like a little monkey. That's exactly what he, what, that's what he is. He's a little monkey. They put him in a little suit. They twist his little crank up on his back. He goes out there with his little symbols on the platform doing his little thing. And they put him away when he's done. They, they might get him back out for next week. If he was good, if he was a good little monkey, they'll get him a banana. Let him sit in his office throughout the week and read a book visit a couple hospitals, do some, do some visitations, be a good monkey, get back in your cage. That's exactly what they are. Hirelings. 
They're not the leaders of their churches because they were placed there by people who run it because they've got influence, money, and authority. And I'll tell you something, that's the reason they don't have authority to see anything happen in their churches is because they're not the authority. That's what you got going on in these situations. You think, you think this guy is running that church or do you think the board's running him? Do you think Carrie Underwood's checkbook's running him? I can guarantee you one thing. They're not letting, when there's millions of dollars on the line, they are not allowing him to make any decisions. You can trust me on that because it doesn't even take millions of dollars for that to happen. Once there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line, money runs people that are not spiritual. Money runs people that are not spiritual. I want you to put it in the comments. Money runs people who are not spiritual. Put it in. Money runs people who are not spiritual. So you know what? When there's thousands on the line, when there's hundreds of thousands on the line, when there's millions on the line, they ain't letting that dude make make decisions. He got called into the office and said, sit down in a chair and let us tell you what you're going to preach next Sunday morning. Because you got Carrie over here on, on national news talking about how on her social media, talking about how she supports gay marriage and how we should all be open to it and how we should and all that. And you ain't going to let me tell you, she attends this church and she gives it. You're not going to you're not going to come against that in, your, in this pulpit. Don't care that since before today, we were an evangelical church that supported Orthodox Christianity. We ain't still doing that. You're going to preach what we tell you to preach and we're going to change what we are. It's exactly what's going on around this country and around the world. If you're not careful, you get sucked in to doctrines of demons. You get sucked into false teaching. Why? For the love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. So what does a church like this believe? It's a question. What does a church like this one, what do they change their beliefs to? Well, let's take a look. Here's from their website. Um, not that one, but give me the other one first. <clears throat> no, the other one. Oh, the, I didn't give you the other. Let me read it to you. So come back to me. Let me read to you. I thought I sent you this because I went to their, uh, I went to their website because I was like, all right, so what do they believe then? If they're this progressive church, you know, and all that, and they've got an about us page and whatever. What do they believe? So I clicked on about, and I wanted to see about us and see what, what does this progressive Christian church actually believe? So under that church uh, clarity that you saw that I read to you, the church clarity thing, this is what they, uh, by calling ourselves progressive Christians, we mean we are Christians who, number one, you ready for this? Believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. Whatever the H-bomb that means. <laughs> That's an F- You can't even say F-bomb coming up in church. If you grew up in church, it was H-bomb. And it meant heck, by the way. Um, <laughs> number two, we are Christians, progressive Christians. We are Christians who affirm that the teachings of Jesus. Now catch this one close. The teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life. And that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual 
journey. We can, you hear that? We can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. What does that mean? That means you could draw from the, from the Quran if you needed to. You can draw uh, from the writings of Nietzsche if you needed to. You can draw uh, from, you know, the teachings of Hindus or the teachings of Buddhists. You can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Absolutely you can because we're progressive Christians. Okay, number three, where we believe um, that we should seek community that is inclusive, inclusive of all capitals, all people, including but not limited to conventional Christians. I guess that's what you would call us. We're, we're the conventional Christians. And questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, women and men, those of all sexual orientations and gender identities, those of all classes and abilities. Okay, now hold on. Progressive Christianity, according to them, means we should seek community. Seek community with. Okay, according to them, I should seek community with people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. So when Paul said that we should separate from us those who live in sin and refuse to be corrected and refuse to change their life and call themselves Christians, we should separate them from the church and have nothing to do with them. When Paul said, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, what relationship can there be between light and darkness, between Christ and the devil? When Paul is saying these things inspired by the Holy Ghost to say them, We're saying now, no, 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 no. Paul was wrong. The Holy Ghost was wrong. We should seek community with people of all gender identities, of all sexual orientations, all people. We should have community with them. We should, that's exactly what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. Jesus is one of many ways. I mean, this is literally, this is literally what they're Hold on. Let me give you number five. This one, this one will make you laugh. Find grace in the search for understanding and believe. Now listen to this. Believe that there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. That's literally on their website. That is on their website. We should believe that there's more value in questioning than in absolutes. That's, that's their quote. This is absolute truth, by the way. And it says that it is. This Bible says that it is absolute truth. Second Peter chapter one, 16 through 21, second Timothy three, 16 and 17. This Bible claims to be absolute truth. It is God's holy inspired inerrant written word. And so there's more value, hold on, there's more value in questioning than in absolute truth. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's absolutely, it's even stupid in the natural realm. Can you imagine going to the doctor and him saying to you, well, listen, we know by diagnosis that you have this disease, but that's absolute. We actually feel like there'd be more value in just questioning that and just, you know, not really necessarily going with that absolute truth, but just questioning it and, and continue seeking. You'd die. You would die. And these jackanapes, 
believe that there's more value in questioning. That's a postmodern thought process, by the way. If you don't know what postmodernism is, look it up. It's the position of relative truth, of what your truth is, is not my truth. <laughs> and funny enough, one of the, one of the origins of the postmodernistic thought process was developed by somebody that was trying to build robots. I don't have time to get into that, but it's very funny. I can't even, I don't even have time, but post, basically it's relative truth. What's true for you isn't true for me. Christianity might be your truth. That might be your truth. It's not my truth. You've probably heard people talk like that. That's postmodernism, that there is no absolute standard of truth for all men and women. When in fact there is, that's a demonic, that's a doctrine of demons. That's a teaching of, with an antichrist spirit behind it saying that there's no absolute truth, that there is no standard of truth. This Bible is the standard of truth, absolutely and without question. And so you've got that. So what did I say earlier in the broadcast? I said that if, hey Jess, I said that if, if you are led by culture, if you're led by society, guess what's gonna happen? You're either going to dismiss or change the word of God. What's up, Olga? So this was from the Grace Point website, and I'm sure it's from five years ago, from some series they did or something, but here's the screenshot. You can see it. They, they do say that the Bible is not the word of God, and here is what they say. What the Bible isn't and what the Bible is. Is This is from Grace Point Church in uh, Tennessee. Number one, the Bible isn't the word of God. They've got that in the isn't category. I don't know if you can see that or read it. The writing is small, but just go closer to your phone or your laptop. Uh, The Bible isn't the word of God, they say. The Bible isn't self-interpreting. So we need things outside the Bible to interpret the Bible. By the way, that is against uh, the laws of interpretation and hermeneutics. Let the Bible interpret itself. That's exactly what you do. So the Bible isn't self-interpreting. The Bible isn't a science book. Well, the Bible never claims to be a science book, so I don't know why you would put that in there. Um, The Bible isn't an answer or rule book. (laughs) So the the Bible's not an answer book. The Bible's not a rule book. (laughs) Okay, hold on. If the Bible's not a rule book, why did they have all of the sections of the law of God as scripture? You know, the Jews before the New Testament, the, the Bible was actually called the law. It was called the book of the law. If it's not a rule book, what is it? It's not an answer book. Oh yeah, there's no answers in the Bible. Um, the Bible, now here's a dangerous one. The Bible isn't inerrant or infallible. So it's first, well, that's because they don't believe it's God's word. Number one, if you go to the very top, if you go to the top that you can see, it's not the word of God. Okay. Well, if you don't believe that, obviously you don't believe it's not inerrant or infallible. And if I didn't believe the Bible was God's word, I'd say that too. Yeah, it's not inerrant. It's not infallible, but these jack and apes word of the day. That's our, that's our memory word for the day, jackanapes, J-A-C-K-A-N-A-P-E-S, jackanapes. 
They, they don't believe it's the word of God, nor do they believe it's inerrant or infallible. But the Bible is a product of community. Really? The Bible is a product of community? What a stupid thing to say. You know, the Bible came about because of community. No, it didn't. The Bible's not a product of community. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how people don't see that. You know, the Bible was not written because a community of people got together and decided to, re- to write the Bible, you dummies. The Bible's a product of community. It's a product of the Holy Spirit, and it claims to be that. That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 means. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's not a product of community. The Bible is a library of texts. Well, that doesn't take a freaking genius to write that on a piece of paper. Do you know the Bible's not one book? Did you know that it's 66 writings combined into a book? 66 books. It's a library of texts. Oh, great job. You should be a professor in a university. The Bible is multivocal. Who even knows what that means? I don't know what that means. The Bible's multivocal. Does that mean like many people, there's many authors uh, that wrote the text that the Holy Spirit gave them down? I don't know what multivocal means. Many voices. Uh, yeah. Many, there were, God used many different men to write the Bible. That's true. Don't know what that has to do with anything. It's still a product of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, now here's what's insane. Think about this. The Bible is a human response to God. That right there is probably one of the dumbest things that's ever been written down by a a human being onto paper or typed onto a Photoshop document. The Bible is a human response to God that is absolutely stupid. Stupid. As if humans decided to respond to God and write the Bible. That's totally, not only is that stupid, it, it, it denies what the Bible says. Let me read it real quick. Come back to me before we go back to this slide one more time. The Bible's a human response to God, really? Let me read you 2 Peter 1, 16 through 20. Actually, I'm just going to re- read verses 20 and 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if people that wrote this stuff just like never read the Bible before they decided to define the Bible. Go, can we go back to that slide? The Bible is a human response to God. No, it's not, dummy. Finally, the Bible is living and dynamic. Oh, thanks for telling us. Thanks for telling us. Uh, quick question. <laughs> quick, quick question for these idiots who wrote this. I don't understand how you can claim that the Bible is living 
if you also claim it's not the word of God. Come back to me. I'm confused by this. Maybe somebody in the comments section can help me understand this. I'm not sure how we can claim that the Bible is alive, that it's living. If it's not also the word of God, what gives it life then? If this is just multivocal, men's response to God and all, if, if all those stupid things that your church believes, what, what is, what gives this life then? What makes this a living text? What makes this a living text if it's not the word of God? Can men give this life? Can the devil give this life? Can false religions give this life? What makes it alive? I'll tell you if you want the answer. The thing that makes it alive is the fact that Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. The thing that makes this alive is the fact that the Bible says it was breathed out by God. Theonustos. This word, all of it, all scripture from Genesis to Revelation is breathed out by God. That's what makes it alive. Not because you said it came from a community of people or because it was man's response to God. It's multivocal. Whatever that means. I know Ben. And let me tell you something. Ben said, that makes my brain and my heart hurt. And, I, and, and I'm even at the place at this point where like, I'm done being grieved and it just makes my brain hurt because these people are so foolish. They're foolish. You know, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. Somebody asked earlier, uh, you know, how can you say those things when the Bible says to not call people th- those names? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, it must not mean what you think it means because the Bible... <laughs> The Bible says, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired this, by the way, to the church in Galatia, which is in Turkey. He said, oh, foolish Galatians. So literally the Holy Spirit called them fools. So it must not mean what you think it means. Who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? See, here's the thing. and, And I know Sandra, what you're saying, uh, uh, Cassandra is saying we should pray for this church. The problem is, is you can pray for people. No question. And, and the Bible says we should pray for the, even our enemies. We should pray for the problem is when you have a church set up in such a way that it's not led by spiritual people. It's not led by the Bible. So here's the thing is if we, if there's not a, <laughs> They need to get saved (laughs) because if they don't believe the Bible is the word of God, how can you define what salvation is? How can you define what, what is progressive Christianity? If not Christianity at all, because if the Bible's not God's word, then how do we feel about how it says we obtain salvation? Because the Bible's very clear about how we obtain salvation, but if it's not the word of God, then how do we obtain salvation? Can we even trust what the Bible says about salvation? You see the problem. And so I can pray until I'm blue in the face, but until somebody uh, gets saved and you can, if we were going to pray, I would pray that 
I would pray that they would get saved because you, you can't even live that way. You know, you real, you do realize you can't, and Ashley makes a great point. I was just getting ready to say this. You can't say those things about the Bible and be a Christian. You can't because what you're saying, see, because if you don't believe what the Bible says, you can't be a Christian because what else defines Christianity other than the written word of God? There's no other standard. So you can't say, well, I believe God gave us salvation. Well, how did you even come to that knowledge? You came to it through the word of God. The only reason anybody knows anything about salvation is because it was given to us in the written word of God. I said this a couple of weeks ago, anything, all we can know about God, the only things we can know about him and all we can know about him is, is, is contained inside this written word. That's it. You can't know anything about God from a personal revelation. You, the Holy Spirit cannot tell you something about God that's not known through his written word. Can't. Cannot. Because we cannot define anything that we know about God by a personal revelation only by scripture. Only by scripture. Because that would mean then that there are people on the earth who know things about God because of personal revelation that can't be known by reading his word. And that's not true. It's not true. All that can be known about God is known through his word. And so how would you even know about salvation if you didn't know about it through the teaching of the word? And how can we then even believe it's true if you don't believe it's the word of God? So if you are a Christian, which came through knowledge of the word, the gospel, think about this ABC. It's like an equation. If you became a Christian because of what you heard taught from the Bible, And then you say, oh, well, this is the Bible that brought me salvation. This is the thing that gives me knowledge of the truth. Then how can you go on then as a Christian and say, well, the Bible's not true. (laughs) Well, if it's not true, you're not saved because it gave you the knowledge of salvation. And so you can't be a Christian and say, well, you know, in those, in those places where the Bible claims to be the breathed out word of God, and it claims to be uh, something that was never done by the will of men, but by the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they carried men along and they wrote what he wanted them to write. Those things aren't true, but the stuff about salvation is true. No, you can't claim that. Because first of all, you're not the author of scripture. And the only reason you're in the kingdom is because you got the gospel and the the Lord drew you into the kingdom. That's the only reason you're in it. If you are even in it, because you can't talk that way about God's written word and still be his child. (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You either take the whole thing or you take none at all. You take it all or you take none at all. That's how it works. And what I'm teaching you today, what I'm preaching to you today is that you have got to be, and, and, and I'll say this because Lynn as, as Lynn said, her heart aches and longs for the hungry souls being led astray by false teachers. It's true. But that's why that these leaders will be judged harshly. They'll be judged harshly. They'll be judged more harshly than those they led because they had uh, the responsibility of bringing up these young ones. And I'll tell you what, that's what Jesus said. Notice that he put such a priority on what he wanted Peter and the apostles to do. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Notice Jesus asked the question and gave the command three times in a row. Do you know why Jesus did that? Because Jesus loves his sheep. Jesus loves 
his lambs. And AJ puts the scripture up so you know what we're talking about. James 3, 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Greater strictness. You know, I was, I was looking at something today. There aren't many interpretations of the Bible. There's one. There's one true. God didn't give us many different interpretations of scripture. He gave us one. It's just that people have chosen to interpret it in many different ways based on their own flesh. And so what, what am I showing you today? That you've got to beware. There are false teachers. There are false preachers. There is false doctrine. There is false doctrine. Did you know that when Paul was encouraging Timothy, he was encouraging him to preach sound doctrine. As my father has preached for many years, that means a few things. Number one, it means that there is sound doctrine. It is such a thing as sound doctrine. And number two, it can be taught. It can be taught. And so the key on it, and you look at this stuff that's going on around the world. You look at these false doctrines that are being preached to our young people to make them believe whatever uh, their flesh wants to believe. It's the doctrine of devils. And what do you think is going on? It's pulling people out of the faith. That's Bible prophecy, apostasy, the falling away. There's some in the church that would say, uh, well, that means they were never truly saved in the first place. You can't fall away from something you were never a part of. You can't be cut off the vine if you were never connected to the vine. That's the whole point. You at some point had to be connected. You at some point had to be a part of it. And then you departed. And then you departed. You can't fake being connected to the vine. <laughs> John 15. You can't fake that. You're either connected to it or you're not connected to it. There's, God would not cut off something that was not truly uh, connected. I know Ruth. I read Destined to Reign. I, I read it after. I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I just read this. He's saying that you, there's no way to lose your salvation. You see, and it's dangerous because what it does is it causes you to live in such a way that you don't care because it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus already did. You see what I mean? And so the key here, you, and this is why I'm going on a Monday rant is because you got these people, once again, our word of the day, these jackanapes that are teaching that number one, we should modify Christianity with the times. Don't be so archaic. Don't be so archaic. Modify. Don't go back to, you know, the middle ages. Don't go back to the first century church. Don't go back to the old Testament. We need to, we need to modify our belief system with the times. It's demonic because the word of God is eternal. It's eternal. And so I want you to hear me. You look at the stuff that's going on and be aware of it. That's why we call it out. Can't believe. And then you got these churches that want to redefine God's word. And you know what they're ultimately doing As I just showed you. They dismiss God's word and they deny that it is God's word. It's to- that's, that's exactly, they, it's not like they even did this secretly. Here's what blows my mind is that they're so deceived. They don't even do it secretly or in like some small group meeting. They put it out on the website. They put it out on the internet for everybody to see what the Bible in big, bold letters. The Bible isn't God's word. I mean, literally they're so deceived that that's as a church, progressive Christianity, shipwrecked Christianity, 
destroyed Christianity, left Christianity, gone from Christianity. It's what it is. And these places aren't churches. They're not churches. The Lord wouldn't even care if they were destroyed. The building could be burnt to the ground and there could be no more gatherings. God wouldn't care because it's not even his house. It's not even his house. You understand? They've not. (laughs) That's why Ashley wrote it on YouTube a while back. Ichabod. Exactly, Mackenzie. Why would you live by something you believe isn't perfect? Why even be a Christian? And that's the point. That's what they said. We don't need to just live by the Bible. There's other sources of wisdom that we, we just need to use to believe and find that come into the full knowledge of the truth. It's dangerous. And see, that's why I preach every day on this broadcast. That's why I come on here and build your faith and put you in a position to say, listen, I'm not just swallowing hook, line, and sinker, everything that comes down the progressive Christianity highway, which is what they're trying to turn everybody into. And you watch, I want you to watch this. I'll give you a little bit of a prediction that as we move forward before Jesus comes, there will be a great pressure from government, from society, from everything else to start making more of our churches these progressive Christian churches where they do exactly what Grace Point is doing. Exactly. You say, well, how could they try to do that? Let me give you a tidbit here at the end before I pray for you, because here's the real truth that I'm staying to the end for the faithful people. And that is this, those that stayed on the broadcast will hear this. How are they going to do it? How would they make it so that churches are forced to become these places? I'll tell you how they'll do it. Number one, If you've got a church that has a school that takes any kind of government grant or scholarship or accreditation by a secular organization, you will be forced, forced to apply these things in your school. You can't discriminate on your teachers, your principal, your your curriculum. You can't discriminate. If you're taking government money, If you're taking grants, if you're taking scholarships, you cannot say no. You're already a prostitute of the government. You can't say no to them. You got to do what they want you to do. You have to do what they want you to do. So that's one way is through these. That's why our universities have gone in this direction. If you don't know already, that's why even Christian universities have gone in this direction. That's why you've got Pentecostal Christian universities where the professors are marching in gay pride parades and pro-choice parades. And that's happening. You know why? Because they're forced to hire people that they don't even agree with in doctrine. It's a control issue. Because what? Because you don't even have the faith to raise your own money for your university? That's what it is. It's all money. So I got to take government grants. I got to take government money. Of course, they'll take away churches, 501c3 statuses, which churches don't even need, but pastors don't know, know that. So they go out and get one so they can be governed by the IRS. <clears throat> and we don't even have to go get a 501c3 in America to be a church. You have church status in your state and can even receipt your people for tax purposes. And it's completely separated from the IRS, but people don't know that. And so they'll control you that well, we need to look at your books if we're going to continue to allow you to be a 501c3. And then we're going to do, we don't like what you're teaching. So we're going to strip you of your 501c3. You see what I'm saying? 
And it's and all these different things. Well, if you want to continue, if you want to continue to have government assistance, if you want to continue to have this, if you want to, and they're going to start pressing in on you and then it's going to come down to lawsuits. So if you marry, let me give you, let me give you another scenario that's going to start. It's already started. It's going to start happening more and more. If you marry people at your church and refuse to marry a same sex couple who comes to you and requests a, a wedding, you can be sued because now it's discrimination because you marry people at your church, but you won't marry them. So what a lot of pastors have had to do is they've had to change their bylaws to say, we only marry members of this church and we have a very defined, uh, uh, we have a very defined or uh, we have our own personal definition of what membership is. You have to uh, attend the church. You have to believe the Bible. You have to live according to the Bible. And if you, uh, if you meet these criteria, you can be a member. And if you are a member, then we will marry you. But that's the only way. And that way they define what membership is. They define how, how they look at membership. You can't be a member and live in active sin. See what I mean? And so they've had to make these choices. Why? Because laws are just like they are for these businesses. They won't make our wedding cake because they're Christians. We're suing them. And it's going to happen this way over and over and over. The culture is going to push back against the church and the church. Well, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. They won't do. It. And then there's these Christian bakeries that are being sued because they won't make uh, cakes for uh, gay or same sex weddings. And so they're being sued. They don't even have the right to refuse business to whoever they choose to reserve business to. And so here's, it's going to happen this way more and more and more that the spirit of this world is going to try to push back at the church and stop what the church is doing. The church has to be big enough to rise up and say, we refuse. And if you don't like it, you can, you cannot come here. You cannot, you know, whatever we'll go to, we'll preach it from jail. If we have to, we're not going to be like other countries where it's, where it's like that. Got to be big enough. You got to be big enough to declare it and let the chips fall where they may. But see, there are certain things that are happening to push people in that direction. Why? Because the spirit of Antichrist wants to take ground against the kingdom of God. And we, by spiritual authority and strength, have to be big enough to say, I refuse to lay down to the spirit of this world and to an Antichrist agenda and do whatever the culture wants. I'm not governed by the culture. I'm not, I'm governed by this governed by the word of God. That's it. Not governed by the government, not governed by culture. I'm not governed. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it blows my mind that you got preachers that are internationally known that will go onto these talk shows and be interviewed. And they ask them, they, you know, what questions coming You know what question's coming. How are you not ready to answer it? How are you not ready to answer it? Well, do you honestly believe that, you know, that homosexuality is a sin? Do you believe that it would keep you out of heaven? I mean, like literally, you know what they're going to ask you. It's the same three questions they ask to every preacher that comes onto a national television show. Do you really believe homosexuality is wrong? Do you really believe that it's a sin that'll send you to hell? And then you got these guys that are nutless leaders. Well, I don't know. You know, it's not for me to, it's not for me to say, it's not for me to define. It's for God to, you know, he'll separate us all at the end. And that's literally, that's literally the answer they give. 
You know, one of the reasons that I have to take my hat off to Dr. John MacArthur, because even when he was on Larry King Live back, you know, early part back when Governor Newsom was still Mayor Newsom in in San Francisco, and even though that they had not passed, the Supreme Court had not passed same-sex marriage nationwide, he was still giving out uh, marriage certificates to same-sex couples in San Francisco and refused, flouted the government's orders to not do that, still doing it. And uh, literally, they had John MacArthur on Larry King Live sitting next to a homosexual actor-producer, and uh, they asked him, Dr. MacArthur, do you really believe homosexuality is a sin? Absolutely, I do. The Bible teaches it. It's what we believe. He even turned to the guy and said, listen, I love you, but I don't want to see you go to hell, but a lifestyle like that will send you to hell. Hats off to Dr. Johnny Mac for standing up for the word of God over the culture. What do you think you're going to intimidate me down off of what the Bible says just because there's cameras sitting here because you're interviewing me and because there is a homosexual next to me? You honestly think that I'm going to back down on what the Bible says because I'm on a program? Not, I don't care about hate mail. You can't cancel me. God's already called me. You can't cancel what God called. Cancel culture. You can't cancel what God called. You can try. But if God's for me, tell me who can be against me. And if I'll stand for this, this stands for me. If I'll stand for God, God will stand for me. I want you to put in the comments before I pray for you. If I will stand for God, God will stand for me. His word stands for us. Yeah, it's true. It's true, Ruth. Not everybody's answering the same way. And you know what they're going to ask. Just be... I don't understand why people can't just say what the Bible says. Just say it. Yes, Orthodox Christianity for thousands of years has believed this, and it's what we stand on. It's what we believe. If you don't like it, tough. We love you, but this is what the Bible says. I'm not changing that for you. I'm not changing that for you. Did you ever notice this? And I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll finish with this thought, and then we'll pray. Did you ever notice? Do you know Islam is also opposed to homosexuality? Vehemently opposed. The nation of Islam, vehemently opposed to homosexuality. Do you realize that uh, there are Muslims in other nations that will kill homosexuals for the act of homosexuality? But did you ever notice they never bring those people on Larry King? They never bring those people on Piers Morgan. They never bring those people on The View. There's never like an imam sitting there. Do you really think homosexuality is wrong? Did you ever notice they never question Muslims about it? It's always like some pastor, some weak pastor that was hired by a board that they call, oh yeah, well, you know, it's not for me to judge. You know why you're talking in such a high octave? <laughs> They've taken your balls. That's why. Oh, it's not for me to judge. Why, you know, God will, God will separate us all at the end. They never ask a Muslim. Because they know what they're going to say. And they don't want to stir up the hornet's nest. It's ridiculous. Can we just say what the Bible says? And no, this is God's word. It doesn't change. And since it doesn't, I don't change on what I believe about it. Doesn't mean we don't love people. We love people. Doesn't mean I don't want to see people judged by God. I don't want to see people go to hell. I don't want to see people in hell. I want to see them saved. I want to see him in heaven. I want to see him added to the kingdom. And that includes everybody in the LGBTQ community. I want to see them touched by the power of God. I want to see the gospel change their life and bring them into the kingdom. I want to see that. I don't hate them. 
I don't, I don't attend Westboro Baptist Church with all those nut jobs. Hear me. I want, I love them. I've never met one homosexual, one lesbian, one person like that, that I didn't love and want to see God change them. Love them. I love them. They have eternal spirits living inside their bodies that will go to one of two destinations. They will either spend eternity in heaven or they'll spend eternity in hell. You understand? And I want to see them spend eternity in heaven. But it takes the truth in order for that to happen. It just takes the truth. You can't water down the truth and have change. And so I'm encouraging every one of you today that are watching me or listening on the podcast. Have a strength to stand on what the Bible says and speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. I'll finish with 1 Peter 3.15 and then we're going to pray. Because here's how we respond. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you and do it with gentleness and respect. There's people that are truly asking for help. They're truly asking. I had a gay couple attend my revival in Pittsburgh one year. Two guys came in every night together, sat together in the church, came every night. They were more faithful than some of the people from the church, came every night. I preached the gospel. I knew they were gay. I didn't get up every night and preach a message on the sin of homosexuality. I just preached what the Holy Spirit had me preach. Preached it. And then one night they came to the altar and uh, got saved. The next night I only saw one of them back. I'm sure they must have broken up and he got in the line to receive the Holy Ghost. Changed by the power of God. I have to get up and hammer them every night. Send send the homosexuals, send you to hell. Amen. Just do what the Holy Spirit says. Preach the truth. In love, watch what God will do by the gospel, by the power of the gospel. Don't step back off what the Bible says. There's a new strength coming in this generation. I'm just telling you that because we need a new strength with the new pushback of the Antichrist system and agenda. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And sin is increasing. Understand the Bible says that in the day, it'll be as it, as it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot when Jesus returns. Sin abounding once again. Sin abounding. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So there's a new strength available for you. There's a new faith available for you. There's a new anointing, a new boldness available for every one of you. And that's what I'm praying for today. Those of you that are on today. And I want you to bow your head and receive it. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you for your mighty word. I thank you that it is your breathed out and holy inerrant word. Thank you for giving it to us. Now give every one of us as Paul prayed in Ephesians six, give every one of us a new boldness, a fresh fire of the Holy ghost, a new love for people a new love for people, a new urgency to reach the lost and to see people saved and changed by the power of God. Lord, I pray that you would give us a discerning spirit, a discerning spirit to clearly hear and know that's false, that's truth. Let us be able to separate quickly and easily the false doctrines taught by evil men with a doctrine of devils, a teaching of demons. 
and what the true word of God is. Let us stay faithful. Let us endure to the end. We are your children. I pray you open doors for us like you never have in 2021. Open doors as you did for Paul the Apostle. Doors of opportunity. And let us run through in victory and accomplish our purpose supernaturally. We thank you, Lord, for that. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Send a mighty revival that'll sweep through our nations before Jesus comes. Add souls to your kingdom and use us to do it. We thank you for it and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody shout aloud, amen. Throw some fire and some hands in the comments. Listen to me, we're on a mission. We're on a mission together. And whenever you sow seed into this ministry, you're a part of that mission. And we're doing it around the world now. We're not holding back. We're not pulling punches. We're not watering the message down. When you partner with us, you're a part of the mission. We're not just goofing off and waiting for Jesus to come. We're on a mission. And today, of course, we have contracts that have been signed and sent out. We're around the world now in over 180 nations, 180 something million homes have the potential to see our television broadcast every week, every week. God opened those doors. We're not sitting back and resting and waiting for Jesus to come. We're working and you're part of that. As you're sowing, you're working. As you're partnering, you're working. And so let me encourage you today. Thank you, Tracy. Let me encourage you today. Those of you that are listening to this, watching this, to sow seed today, to sow seed, to partner with this ministry. And I know the Lord's speaking to you to do something significant. I want you to take this Monday to sow a seed that means something to your heart, to your spirit, a significant seed that you're sowing. And so there it is. Uh, you can see cash up on the screen, PayPal on the screen. If you send us a message, Christina, we'll send you that. But there you can see all the ministry uh, information on the screen, miracleword.com. All of our ways to give and so are there. PayPal is available. There's the, the uh, email address on the screen, info at miracleword.com. Also, if you're using Zelle and want to do a Zelle transfer, that's the same email, info at miracleword.com. Cash App and Venmo are the same, MWGive. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate to sow directly from there. Thank you, Regina. Thank you, Regina. I'm encouraging you and I'm giving you a moment to do it. The Lord's speaking to people today to sow seeds, to sow seeds of faith. God has a plan to bless us. Hey, Pastor Joey, love you. God has a plan to bless us in 2021 financially to cause us to be debt free. God wants us free from debt. What oppresses us, bring us into a place of overflow so we can continue to do what we're called to do. Everybody that's standing with us in March, sowing seeds, this powerful book by brother Kenneth Hagin, the will of God in prayer. It's our gift to you. Uh, if you already have this, there's a drop down menu on the website. You can choose what you'd like to receive, but You've got to go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and there you'll be able to see. Let us know, by the way, how you gave, uh, how you sowed. There's a, a way to tell us and give us the address of where we can send this to you and then choose what you'd like to receive in the month of March. This is our featured book and, uh, and we'll get it to you. Steph, the best way 
If you'd like to sow a large amount, you can always go to the website and do it via credit or debit card there on the website. Uh, if you'd like to do a Zelle transfer, you can do it that way as well. Um, even, even PayPal, Cash App, really any of those ways. We'll have the way to, um, if you'd like to instantly give us the way to track who you are and where you gave, use the website because it's really the way that gives us your address and your info. We want to receipt you, obviously, for tax purposes. That's how you can do it. Uh, no, I don't think, Mackenzie, that church will be celebrating Easter. I don't even think they're open. I think they're still doing just, I think they're all shut down, completely shut down. I thank God that we're open and running. Thank you that Holy Ghost churches are opened up. Some never closed. And thank God for pastors that are not ashamed to take the heat from people. My, my own family took the heat. You know, we took heat. How you ha- you know, we were, uh, we held that two week revival in Massachusetts. It, w- it reached all the way to the Capitol. They, they were writing about us in the Boston Globe, you know, that we're the cause, or, you know, we're, we're the ones that are causing and spreading COVID and, you know, we're not using wisdom and all this stuff. And literally there's people that take heat. My own family members took heat, didn't close their churches, people writing them. I hope you die. I hope you all die. Literally, those were the comments they were getting from people online because they were coming to church, coming to church. There is a heat to take. Let me tell you something. I, I refuse to not assemble together as the Bible commands us to do. So thank God. I mean, literally 2020, I traveled nonstop. I think there's only one month that I really didn't travel. It was nonstop. Churches were open. We were having revival, people being changed. And I have to give thanks to God. And I'm not saying this in a bragging way. I'm saying it to give honor and glory to him. Um, I flew on so many flights last year and this year. I laid hands on thousands of people, preached to tons of people, was around tons of people. Never, ever had COVID-19 touch my body. And I thank God for that. God kept me by his power. And that's a testimony to him. That's a testimony to his greatness. Because all the things they said you shouldn't do, I did to continue preaching the gospel flew, packed on planes with people, traveled, never stopped traveling, uh, laid hands on people, close communication with people was all over the place. And thank you, Jesus, his healing power touched my body and kept me. And I give him all the glory and praise for it. And we've not stopped. We've been running hard. We want to see you guys in these live services. You know, we've got some revivals coming up in just a few days, really. Um, we're leaving on Saturday to be a part of, uh, this first revival of March, uh, which is in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And, um, (laughs) I know Kristen, Kristen, you don't have to tell me it's over, man. People need to chill out. Um, we're going to be in cross Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, this coming week, starting on Sunday. Um, was, was I right on that? I saw a face. Was that right? I was wrong. Okay. Uh, it's exactly all the information, by the way, is on the website, but right after we're in Crawfordsville, we're going to be in, uh, Michigan Lakeside assembly of God in Shelby township, Michigan, uh, Sunday through Friday. And then on the following Sunday, I'll be in Livonia, Michigan, which is March the 28th, I believe. Am I right about that? So it's the 14th. Uh, we're in Crawfordsville, Indiana, the 21st, we start in Shelby Township, Michigan, outside of Detroit. The 28th, uh, we're going to be in Livonia with my friend, Bishop 
Dr. Deacon Prelate Marlon Reed, who I love. All the information, uh, miracleword.com forward slash schedule continues on into April, May, June, July, August, the rest of the year. We want you to come be a part of these meetings. Love seeing you guys in person. Um, got a whole bunch of you came to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I got to see Ruth. I got to see uh, Cass and Jess and Faith and got to see Tony Pastorelli and his family. Every, I got to see a bunch of you. I got to see Kemba. It was awesome. And I want to see more of you as we're, as we're doing these meetings. So make plans. Make plans to come and hang out with us in Revival. It's going to be a great, great year. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that's sowing seed and uh, being a part of this ministry. We love you. Thank you to every one of our partners. We love you. We're praying for you. And uh, I would love that too, Andrew. Love that too. Even shoot down and have coffee or lunch. That would be great. Would love to see. I'm only about three hours south of where you are. Come and uh, let's do it. Love you guys, man. Have a great day today. And uh, if I'm missing anything, oh, I do want to mention that we've got Easter boxes. Uh, We want to see you place the orders before March 24th because we want to have plenty of time to get it to you. And so the Miracle Word Kids Easter box is available in the store. You can get it with a t-shirt plus water bottle, backpack, sunglasses, uh, bracelets, crafts, candy for $45. If you want to do it without the t-shirt, you can get the whole box for only $25 and you'll still get all the other stuff. Go to shop dot miracleword.com and uh, you can place the order. Please get it. They're limited. So once they're gone, they're gone and they've got to be placed before March 24th. So make sure you grab that new videos every Wednesday for the kids too. Joan said, please come to Canada. Listen, I will come as soon as it opens. Uh, they've got crazy restrictions right now. I would basically have to be quarantined for a total of 17 to 20 days before I could do anything if I came through the border right now. And so we're waiting until it opens up fully. But we've got so many friends in Canada that we want to see again. And uh, we're praying for you guys up in the frozen tundra of the north. <laughs> I love you guys. Share the broadcast if you didn't already. Uh, and and let, it, let people know that they need to take a, take a listen and take a watch. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, let me encourage you to do that. Uh, It's available on all podcast platforms, uh, especially the main ones, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. And really, people aren't even using those. I just checked the the stats. Uh, We're only getting like literally 1% to 2% of our listeners are coming in from like Spotify, Google, um, Stitcher. Everybody's on Apple Podcasts. So if you're not, you're missing it. But wherever you like to listen to podcasts, uh, just search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. You'll find it. There's a picture on the screen uh, of the podcast artwork. Look for that one. Subscribe. we got new podcasts Monday through Friday, new episodes. Love you guys a lot. Thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for sowing seeds. See you again in the morning, 1030 a.m. Have a great one. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.